Welcome to the Garage Podcast, presented to you by the Young Adults Group at Salem First Baptist Church. Thanks for tuning in to hear this week's message from Pastor Tyler Hankey. Well, friends, if you're new, we're in a series called Defense Against the Dark Arts. That's just my horrible pastoral humor to say we are fighting bad ideas with good ideas. That's all apologetics is. It's you learning to process what you believe and why you believe it. So if you've grown up in the Christian environment, this is a wonderful opportunity. If you've got some doubts, we encourage that. Have your doubts, speak your doubts, and ask good questions that we might give you good answers, and then you can learn to process these answers with other people. That's all apologetics is. It's not arguing. It's not being mean to people. It's not being overly heady. It's simply you understanding why you believe what you believe. And so week one was reactive apologetics. It's when you're asked certain questions, the Bible specifically states you need to have a reason. You need to have answers for those people because God put you in the family that he did and the city that he did and the school that you're at for a very specific reason, that you would process your life and the lives of others. You have a responsibility to other people in your life and you need to take that seriously. So God says have answers for them. And then last week, we looked at proactive apologetics. Where are you advancing the kingdom? What in this world bugs you that you need to go see solved? What problem has God presented to you that other people, they look at the problem and they're like, that doesn't bug me. There's a reason that doesn't bug them. It's because God gave it to you. And some of you have looked at your family and you're like, God, why this family? And God's like, because I need you to reach them. So instead of getting angry at where God has put you or maybe not put you, You need to look at where you're at and go, God, what have you designed me for? And where am I advancing your kingdom for your purposes, not my own? And so this week, we're getting into the more meatier questions. We're gonna go through all kinds of stuff throughout this series, this one today being, does God exist? And so, as we go through this, if my clicker would work, there we go. But before we jump into the meatier parts of this, I wanna again address, for those of you that don't really like this, why should you listen? The, the why is hugely important to me. So there's two reasons why I think you should listen this morning. Number one, if you're not a big fan of apologetics, this morning is for you to worship. Because the, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And so for some of you, you're like, why are we studying science? Why are we going into logic? Why are we going into philosophy? I don't really like that world. If we take scripture seriously, here's what it says. If you're curious and if you're humble, I promise you, as you study the world, the natural world, you're gonna worship. As you look at what God created, if he designed it so that it would glorify him, then as you study it, should it not logically lead to you glorifying God? If you slow down, and I know that you're all busy, but if you slow down and you walk in the park, as you scan the world, as you do scientific study, you should naturally come to worship. But there's a second reason, and it's, it's this here on the screen, Romans 1, 20. There's a warning in scripture to all of us, Christian and non-Christian alike. Here's what it says, Romans 1, verse 20. For his, meaning God, God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. Here's the warning. As a result, People, that's you and me, are without excuse. Let me explain this a little bit. The Bible says that if you are humble, if you are curious and you look at the world, there's two things you're gonna come away with. God is incredible. 
He is powerful and his divine nature is seen, meaning he's different than you. Now, I know that for some of you, you're like, well, yeah, that's a duh, but here's what I understand scripture to say. When I look at the world, I should see a design so perfect, so complex, that I'm like, there, there's gotta be something beyond me. And honestly, scripture's a little kind of mocking, I think, because it says he's been clearly seen. So for those of you that are like, man, I feel like I've missed this. I don't, I don't mean to be mean to you, but the Bible says it's not just that God's seen, he's obvious. So when I look at the world, when you look at the world, it's design and complexity and power and expanse should cause me to say, there's gotta be something beyond me. Even if you don't immediately know the name Yahweh, and I don't think you should, because God doesn't have Yahweh plastered in the sky. I'm not arguing for the existence of the God of the Bible, and I don't think this verse is either. It's saying when you look at nature, you should, you should intuitively know there's a power or a force beyond me that has created all of this. And so that's what I'm gonna argue for today. As we look at the universe, one, you should worship, and two, you should see evidently a God that loves you and created. So as we jump into this, um, just I wanna give credit where credit is due. Frank Turek is one of the most incredible apologists I've ever seen in my life, and he has developed a curriculum of apologetics that I have just completely adopted. So this message is largely from an outline he developed, so credit where credit's due. If you, if you wanna dive deeper into this, here's what I'm gonna do this morning. I'm gonna whet your appetite. I'm gonna encourage you, I wanna inspire you, but there's no way that we can go over all of this in one 40-minute session. There's no way. So if you like reading, if you like studying, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist is a book that you need to read. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek. Buy it, read it, I promise you it will encourage you. If you're like, I'm not a big reader, go to crossexamined.com and there's an, a complete video series of all of his teaching, crossexamined.com. You need to go to both of those. So as we look at this, there's three main arguments for the existence of God. Again, if you're like, Tyler, this feels more like a college class than it does a Sunday morning. Stay with me. We're, we're gonna worship, I promise. There's three main arguments that you can use for the existence of God outside of scripture. So I wanna use this to encourage you, to bless you, and you can use this for other people. The first one is the argument for the design of the universe, or the, the, the beginning of the universe. We call this the cosmological argument. The second is the design of the world, and the third is the moral argument for God. We're not gonna go over all of these, that's too much. We're just gonna do one. This is the cosmological argument for the existence of God. So let's back it up, and imagine you're sitting there in those rare moments where you've got room to think, and you start kind of getting deep. You get a little philosophical and you're like, why am I here? How did I, meaning humans, get here? And then you back up a little bit more and you're like, okay, we exist on a planet. How did the planet get here? And the planet is existing in space. How did space get here? How did the universe come to be? These are the questions that we're asking when we can slow down and get curious and be humble. Now, the scientific community largely um, all the way up until about the early 1900s, their dominant argument was that the universe was eternal. So here's what I think is funny. The scientific community will look at you and they'll tease you for believing in an eternal God. They're like, that's silly, how could that be? But then you turn around and you ask, where'd the universe come from? And they're like, oh, it's eternal. And you're like, okay, so why is mine silly and yours isn't? 
Because guys, here's my big argument this morning. You've got two options, either in the beginning dirt or in the beginning God. It is not silly, and this is where I wanna encourage you. It is not silly to believe that an eternal, omniscient, powerful being created, because here's the thing. Either God created something out of nothing or something came from nothing just cause. That is silly to me. I think you need more faith to be an atheist than you need to be a Christian. That's the big argument that I wanna make this morning. So as we look at this, we're looking at what caused the universe. Because if the universe had a beginning, I can then make the argument that something started this. For example, if you see a bowling ball going down the bowling alley and it hits the front pin on the right side perfectly, do we automatically assume that the bowling ball just did that? Or do we assume that there was a very intelligent, strong individual that has practiced and they threw the ball, curved it perfectly, and it hit the pin, we assume it was caused? We don't assume bowling balls activate themselves and run down the alley. That's silly. It would be as silly as walking by a house and assuming a lumber mill exploded and it just created the house. None of us look at buildings and assume that the materials needed just fell into place. That's silly. When we see a house, we assume someone put a lot of work and a lot of effort. They designed it and they put it up. They, they milled all the lumber and they put it up as we see it. We don't assume a lumber mill exploded. So when I look at the universe, do I see evidence that there's something beyond me that created it? And so as we look at this, the cosmological argument goes something like this. And I wanna give you an acronym. The acronym is SURGE. Some of you might've heard of this before, S-U-R-G-E. All of these letters give you arguments for the beginning of the universe because if the universe is eternal, we don't really need God, right? Because it's always been there. But if the universe has a beginning, then it has an end. And if the universe has a beginning, something caused it. Something started this whole party that we're existing in right now. So I'm just gonna go over these letters just one at a time, and then we'll, we'll end there. Here's the first one, S. It stands for the second law of thermodynamics. You're like, I came to church. I'm really confused right now. Like, I thought th this makes me sound like we're somewhere else. Let me make this as simple as I can. The second law of thermodynamics states that entropy in a system is gonna grow, meaning chaos in a system is gonna grow. Working energy will leave a system. For example, this is why I put the nifty picture of a uh, flashlight. If you turned a flashlight on and I left it on the table and we came back a week later, would the flashlight be on? No, it'd run out of batteries, it'd run out of juice. It would deplete itself. Energy, working energy in a system leaves. It's why your cell phone dies and you need to charge it all blipping day long and then you gotta buy a new cell phone because the powers that be destroy your battery internally. I'm telling you, it's a conspiracy theory that's real. It's why you have to buy a new stupid phone every year. It's because of the second law of thermodynamics and evil, greedy corporations. <laughs> when we look at this, I want you to think about the sun. Think about the sun for a second. The hydrogen atoms in the sun are burning up. They are depleting. So here's what I love about society. Non-Christians are actually working for some really beautiful things. Let's just, in, let me bless them for a second. They don't want war. They want human beings to be in unity together. That's a good thing. I agree with that. They want resources to be stewarded well. I'm for that. I'm, I'm game. They want renewable resources so that we have unlimited energy. I'm for that. Let's assume for a second that they get all three. We get all the food we could ever need, we get all the resources we could ever need, and we're never fighting again. We're all still gonna die. 
Because of this law, the sun is eventually going to burn out. It's not eternal. This is wonderful news for you. This presents a very real reality that the, be- or the, the universe has an end. Because when the sun goes out, we have no more energy. We've got no more heat, no more warmth, no more gravitational pull. All of our planets just careen into the universe and we're all dead. So think about this. Your universe that you are sitting in right now is not designed to live forever. Now, the Bible's been clear on this from the beginning. God made it, we screwed it up with sin, and God is waiting for us to change our minds, advance his kingdom, and then he's gonna come back, he's gonna remake it. So as I look at this, when I look at the sun, like we're craving it as Oregonians, but when you look at it, I need it to remind you, you're not designed for forever. Like in heaven we will be, but human beings, even if we got everything on earth perfect, we're still all gonna die. Now, as dark and depleting as that sounds, it's actually incredible news. If the universe has an end, then it has to have a beginning. Because if I look at a flashlight that ends up dying, that automatically means it hasn't existed forever. If the battery runs out, that means the battery had to start. If the sun's gonna go out, it means that it had to start. And so as we look at this law, Scientists were starting to study this in the early 1900s. One of them was a man named George Lemaitre. I know I'm saying that wrong. But he started scanning the galaxies and he started measuring them. And here was the math that he came up with. He goes, I'm noticing that galaxies are moving farther away. So if I reverse the math, he postulated, he was one of the first men that postulated the Big Bang. He goes, I'm doing the math and all of the galaxies are coming from a central point. So here this morning, if, you're, if you've grown up in the Christian world and the Big Bang for you has equaled evil science and you're like, nope, definitely no Big Bang, I'm gonna argue for it. I just know who blew it up. So the Big Bang is something I think you need to embrace as a Christian, but we know how and why it happened. What the secular scientists can't argue They're gonna go, oh yeah, Big Bang, I'm all for it. Explosion, all the matter, it organized itself. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because that's like saying you put all of the parts for your computer on a table and then you put a stick of dynamite on it and you blew it up and then all your computer parts fell into place and the computer turned on. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mocking, but that's ridiculous. That's the argument you're given, that the universe had all of its working parts in this cluster and then it blew up and now we have the universe. Not only that, they can't tell you where all the matter came from. So they're like, oh yeah, Big Bang. You're like, where'd all that matter and energy come from? They're like, right, I don't know. I've got no idea. Some, some other bang. There was a, a previous bang. You're like, no, no, I don't buy it. So they started, after we started looking at this, other scientists started to jump into this. This is Edwin Hubble. In about the 1920s, he's looking through this massive telescope in California, and he looks at the galaxies, and he saw the same thing that George did, and he goes, the galaxies are moving, and they're moving away from us. So as he started doing the math, he's like, hold on, if I reverse this, all of these things are coming from a central point. We don't exactly know where that is, but it's moving outward, so in the reverse, it's coming back toward us. So as he was looking at this, he goes, if this indeed happened, If there was an explosion, there should have been evidence of that amazing amount of energy. For example, if you were in my home and I lit a fire in the fireplace and then we let it die and then your buddy shows up really late, what would the evidence be in my home that there was once a fire in there? It would be the radiant heat in the fireplace. Sure, there'd be ash too, which you could see, but here's 
what would happen. You'd walk into the room and in the living room, it'd be warmer than it would in the hallway leading away from the living room. So their argument was, if there indeed was an explosion, would we not be able to measure the heat from that explosion? Edwin goes, yeah, I think we would. We need to go find it. So we searched for about 40 years until two guys found what the R stands for, radiation afterglow, and they actually found it on accident. This is Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson. So they started measuring and they were like, hold on, we're noticing heat waves that are different in different areas. And so what happened from this moment, there was an agnostic scientist named Robert Jastrow. He was leading the science program at NASA. He goes, this right here, radiation afterglow, is the nail in the coffin to the eternal universe idea because the heat was dissipating and it was getting in lower temperatures as we measured outward. So he goes, if this is indeed real and we need to study this more, and so they actually did, they sent up, the, the G stands for Great Galaxy Seeds. We spent $200 million on a satellite and we launched it into space in 1989. And this was called COBE. It was the Cosmic Background Explorer and it measured the temperature differences for three years. For three years, it scanned it and it goes, we're seeing waves, ripples, as if you chucked a giant rock in a lake and you saw the ripples. This explosion caused heat ripples throughout the universe. We can see them, measure them, and they are so precise. And here's the part that I don't admittedly fully understand. As they expanded, the perfect distance between the waves gave our galaxies tension enough to hold together. So as you think about this, you think about our universe, why is everything centered around the sun? And why is there space between our galaxy and another one? It's because as this explosion happened, the galaxies in the pockets created themselves. Again, if you took all the parts of your computer and you put them on a table and you blew it up and it all came back together and turned on, that is the complexity of this moment. So I can't fully explain the waves. I, I don't understand it. I'm not smart enough. But this I gotta find who's, so Stephen Hawking said that the, if these temperature variations did not exist, our galaxy wouldn't exist. So there's, in the creation of your universe, so much perfection that if it didn't happen exactly as it did, you wouldn't exist. It is as similar as your computer being blown up in its parts and coming back together. And so, as they were looking at great galaxy seeds, they also added this, the E, Einstein's theory of general relativity. So as he was looking at the universe, he noticed, I see space because that's where all the matter is, but I see all the matter, but I also see it on a timeline of time. Space, matter, and time all needed to arrive at the same moment. So think about this. If you had space and you had time, what would you put in it? If you had space and you had matter, when would you put it? All three of these, space, matter, and time, need to come into existence at the same moment. So think about this with me. If this is true, what created those? If time, space, and matter need to come into the existence at the same moment, what do you now know about God? Even if you don't know his name and you don't know where he came from, you know that he is timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. You know that he is beyond these things that he has created. Robert Jaster, the same man that I talked about earlier, he said, Astronom this was in 1982. Astronomical evidence leads to a biblical view of the origin of the universe. As they were studying all of this, he goes, 
everything that we are now learning is lining up with the biblical account. You do not need to be ashamed as if your biblical story is a fairy tale. It is the most scientifically accurate explanation we have. Einstein was so afraid of what he discovered that he started fudging the math. He wanted an eternal universe. So when he started doing his calculations and publishing them in the fine print, he was dividing by zero, which everybody knows is an absolute no-no. His faulty math was discovered by fellow scientists and they said, sir, this isn't real. You can't argue for an eternal universe because your math is all wrong. Edwin Hubble in 1931 heard of this and he said, hey, come to my telescope in California. I wanna show you something. And so Einstein went in 1931 to a telescope in California and he saw the galaxies as they were expanding and he said this to a reporter, I now see the necessity of a beginning. Any scientist worth their salt, anyone with an ounce of humility reveals that all of the math, all of the science lines up with a beginning of a universe and a universe that's going to end. You as a Christian have the only answer for why this exists. And you also have the only answer that gives people hope. Because if you as the human race understand that the sun's going out, then honestly, there is no hope. There's no reason to continue. If the sun's going out, then it doesn't matter if we have peace, it doesn't matter if we have all the energy in the world, and it doesn't matter if we have food, if we're all going to die. But you as the Christian understand we are in a temporal moment in time and God's going to order everything and bring about justice and righteousness, renew our bodies and renew the earth and start again. You're the only one that has this answer. I wanna read you a quote. This is by Robert Jastrow. He says this, Astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in this cosmos and on the earth. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover that there are what I or anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. Why would an atheist argue that there's an existence of supernatural forces? Because he cannot explain them. So he's not saying that God exists. He's not saying that Yahweh exists. He's saying there are forces I cannot hope to understand that have created the universe that I am measuring and I've got to submit. It was Stephen Hawking that said, when I look at the universe, I see the fingerprints of God and he doesn't believe in God. Be encouraged this morning, friends. This is your universe that God created. You're in it, and he says, you'll find me when you look at it. You will find me and worship me when you see this. Now, I wanna end with a little bit of the design argument, but before I do, here's the choice you have. In the beginning, God, or in the beginning, dirt. Which one's more plausible to you? Which one gives you more hope? Which one is more real? I'm telling you, you are not silly. It's not an emotional crutch. If you say God is real, and I believe he created everything that we're experiencing right now. But I wanna end with a bit of the design argument. Here it is in its basic form. If there is evidence of design, there must be a designer. There is clearly complex design in the universe. Therefore, the universe must have a designer. Let me give you an example. If you went to the beach, and on the beach, you saw Tyler Loves Audrey written in the sand. What do you assume? Because here's what the natural scientist assumes. Well, you see, there was a wave, and it came up, and it picked up a rock off the ocean floor. And so, you see, what happened was, 
is the rock hit the beach and it spelled out Tyler as it like jumped up and down on the sand and then it said loves and then Audrey, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. And then the other scientist is like, no way, that's crazy. Here's what happened. You see, there was a windstorm and it picked up a stick and the stick fell on the, on the sand and it spelled out Tyler as it went up and down, giving space between the letters. See, that's what happened. It was a windstorm. And you as the believer are like, I'm sorry, you're dumb. Like D-U-M, dumb. Because that doesn't make any sense. Do you want to know what happened? Here's what you assume. If you go to the beach and you see that today, you're assuming what? You're assuming Audrey wrote it to emotionally mark her territory with me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're, you're assuming that I took a stick or my finger and I wrote it. Let me, let me show you something. Look at this picture. This is a picture of a Garmin smartwatch on a rock. When you see this, what are you assuming? Because again, the natural scientist is like, well, okay, you see what happened was, is there was an earthquake and the, the elements joined together really, really fast and then the silicone kind of, it came out of nowhere and then it attached itself to the watch head and, and then there, there's a chip in there and that came from the other mountain which has connected to the satellite which is above earth. Yeah, that's what happened. No, when you see a smartwatch on the ground, you're assuming that someone dropped their watch and that that watch was created by an unbelievably smart person. Friends, when you look at the universe, can I show you something? This, I know that, that some of you sitting in the back, you're like, I can't read that. I will read this to you. There's something called the anthropic principle. These are all of the constants that need to exist in your life for you to exist. Here's the first one. Our oxygen level in the atmosphere is 21%. Did you know that? You do now. You're smarter. You're welcome. 21%. If it was 25, fires would spontaneously burst out at random. We would all die. If our oxygen level was at 15%, we would all suffocate. So if you believe in evolution, here's the thing that you got to admit. Like, you're, oh, yeah, it took millions of years to develop. You're like, okay, so you developed for millions of years in an environment that was literally perfect for you? And that all happened just because of a bang. No, this is all perfect. Atmospheric transparency. If our atmosphere was any denser, the radiation from the sun wouldn't get in, the plants wouldn't photosynthesize, we wouldn't have any food, we would all die. If it was any thinner, any thinner at all, we would all nuke ourselves to death. It would be like living in a microwave and we would all die. Here's the next one, the moon-earth gravitational interaction. If the moon was any bigger, if it was any closer, the waves of the earth would crash over every continent and we would all drown to death. Here's the next one, carbon dioxide levels. If we have too much, we all die. Too little, we all suffocate. The rotation of the earth. You ever gone to a bonfire and you're sitting there and you like rotisserie chicken yourself? You're just, you're spinning because you're like, I don't want to leave, but I can't get any closer, so I'm going to spin. The earth is spinning so perfectly that if it spun any faster, the surfaces wouldn't have time to cool down, they'd get too hot, we would all die. If it spun any slower, one side would get too hot, the other side would freeze to death. We are spinning at the perfect speed. Everything in your universe is perfect for you to exist. Is that on accident? You were given a planet, the only one that we have ever been able to find that can sustain human life. And we've been scanning the universe for decades with unbelievably precise instruments. The only argument the scientific world has is the, multi, the multiverse argument. 
That's the only one. That's the big one that they are uh, giving to you lately. Like, well, I mean, the earth exists out of like billions of other earths and other universes. And you're like, okay, what's the evidence? I don't have any, except for Marvel movies. That, that's the only evidence I have of a multiverse. Your earth was made for you. And it was made that you would discover the God that made it. Everything exists so that you might worship the Lord. Everything exists perfectly that you might thrive. Your body works the way that it does because God said so. The universe exists the way that it does because God said so. Remember this, remember Romans 1.20, that his power and his divine nature, meaning the fact that he is above you in being and in thinking processes, he is above you and that is evident to you. So go on a walk today and look at the trees and look at the flowers and look at the grass, look at your body and understand it's perfect. If anything was different by, uh, with you internally, you wouldn't exist. There's so many things that if they changed by a simple degree, one of my favorites is Jupiter. If Jupiter wasn't the size that it is, we all would have died instantaneously by asteroids striking the earth. When you look at Jupiter, there's giant craters, like little dark spots. They are the size of Earth, meaning there are asteroids that were floating around through our immediate universe, our immediate galaxy. And if Jupiter didn't exist as this massive just shield, all of us would be dead. So God's like, I'm not only gonna make a perfect Earth, I'm gonna give you a bouncer so that the asteroids don't get in and just wreck you. You're welcome. Asteroids the size of Earth have hit Jupiter so that you can enjoy a Sunday morning eating a donut. Thank you, Jupiter. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you created it. What's sillier, in the beginning God or in the beginning dirt? Be encouraged, friends. You are not silly to believe in an invisible being that is powerful and designs and loves you. When I scan all of this information, here's what I understand. God is timeless, spaceless, immaterial. He is powerful because he created something out of nothing. He's intelligent because it's perfect. And he's personal because he chose to create when he didn't need to. This universe is not here because God needed anything. It's here because he loves you. And you exist so that you might discover who you are and who built you. You live in a universe that blesses you. And if you think this one's cool, the next one, God says, you do not understand. Paul says that our body right now, he compares it to a tent, but he says in heaven, it's a building. Like that's how different it is. So when you look at the tent that you camp in, compare that to a skyscraper and you might have some idea of how different your body's gonna be. He says the earth right now is broken by sin, but I'm gonna remake it and it will be perfect. The mountains that you get to climb, the, the rivers, the, the lakes that you get to play in and swim in, all of it will be made perfect. The air that you get to breathe will be perfect. But God says, for now, you're in an earth that's hurting. And you, need, you don't need to be an unbelievable scientist to learn this. My goodness, I am a gloriously average human being and I studied all of this to bless you and you can study this to bless other people. What are you doing in this life to understand your universe and to bless those that are telling you it is simply time and chance that made it? In the beginning, God, or in the beginning, dirt, which one gives you more hope? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the evidence that you have displayed in what you made.
Scripture is clear. We as human beings are without excuse. We do not get to say when we go meet you, when we are being judged, we do not get to say that we had no idea that, that God was real. Because God will look back at us and say, you had every opportunity to scan the world and say, there's got to be something bigger than me that made this. You are timeless, spaceless, immaterial, powerful, intelligent, and personal. I pray that this would bless people, that they would get excited, that they would do more studying, that they would give answers to people that have questions. As we continue this series, God, continue to give us emotional and mental space to just sit and be in awe of you and your word and history and Jesus and all the things that you created to reveal who you are. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Garage Podcast. We hope the message has made you think deeper about faith and will strike up new conversations as you go about your week. If you want to hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Have a great week.